0: try something absolutely insane today, and that's to compare Evgeny Malkin to Lars Eller. Just, just at least hear me out. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates in the same place that you found this. I hope you'll check those out as well. Penguins versus Panthers tonight, 7.08 p.m. face-off, PPG Paints Arena. I'll be covering it for DK Pittsburgh Sports, full column. obviously track it on the show tomorrow as well. And out of all the various forwards on the Pittsburgh roster who aren't producing, the one that really jumps up has to be, and always will be for as long as he's around and this sort of thing occurs, Geno's. Two goals in his past 15 games, not contributing to much of anything at 5-on-5, five five, not contributing on the power play to the extreme that the once unthinkable now seems routine and that he's on the second unit. And when you add all that on top of the Penguins only winning two out of their last seven games, yeah, you get the idea. It's not good. And maybe even more surprising than any of that, Gino had this to say yesterday to reporters in Cranberry. Every game it's tough, you know, every game like I try my best and like yeah, it's like uh, I'm not playing, I'm not playing like uh, fifteen years ago, it's not the same game. I won't try like actually with I know I'm not playing like, uh, flying like like before, you know, I'm trying smart a little bit smart in my game. Talking about adjustments. Referencing his own age. Openly acknowledging that he needs to adjust to his game because he isn't, in his own word, flying the way that he used to. You piece those together, that's a pretty extraordinary admission. Not to mention commendable. But also, maybe just a little bit, overdue. Genos 37. This isn't a cute and cuddly situation anymore. Gino's 37 and he's going to be here until he's 40. That's what his contract says anyway. And Gino is way, way, way too proud to pull what we've seen from Jeff Carter these past couple of years where he's clearly hanging on for a few extra bucks. Sorry, sorry, but you know that is what it is. He had to know when he was done. Gino's an instant Hall of Famer when he's eligible. He's going to get to 500 goals even if he drags it out for a long, long time. He's going to hit other milestones just by existing. He doesn't need to prove anything, but he's also that guy who is by far the hardest on himself when things aren't going well. And it does not help him. There are some people that you actually want to see go through that because it boosts them, it motivates them, gives them that little extra fire up the rear. Not him. Not him. All he does is torment himself when it happens, and that's what you're starting to see over these past few games. Yeah, he's banged up. There's a reason he's had a couple of maintenance days, as Mike Sullivan calls them. Last Thursday and then again just a couple of days ago. I'm sure there's a reason beyond his being 37 that uh, he really didn't show much at all in either St. Paul or Winnipeg over the weekend. But, you know, part of the game and all. And no matter how much he's hurting, that didn't keep him from passing that puck to somebody, anybody when he was trapped at that right point in Winnipeg the other night. Still a mind-blowing sequence. Really was. So, he says he's ready to adjust. He's ready for... He didn't say this, but you could take those words and reasonably deduce that he's referencing a, a late career change of approach. Maybe even a change of philosophy as to how he plays the game. So, what does that mean? What does that look like? Well... I've mentioned to you guys a couple of times, and I've mentioned to him a couple of times, Sergei Fedorov, one of the better offensive players. uh, Actually, I was about to say of his generation, of his generation, of any generation. Sergei could do anything at any point on the rink, but he also could do it in his own end. And as he moved later into his career, first in Detroit and then later in Washington, he was just gradually sliding back. And he was that guy that his coach would trust in any situation. Take the big draw, get the big clear, find a way to possess the puck, to slow the play down, kill some more clock when the lead was at hand. But more important than any of that, Sergei never let his pride get to him in this context. Sergei, was, in fact, proud to have reinvented himself. He was proud that something he was able to do in pieces while with the Red Wings, meaning he would he would drop to defense, not just as a power play point man, but just as a defenseman. That's something that became I don't want to say crazy common with the Red Wings, but it was often enough that it never surprised you when it happened because all you'd think to yourself was that Sergey he can do anything. Well, who else have you seen on the Penguins who spent, as a forward, plenty of time playing defense? Not always very well, but certainly well enough that he's been able to man a power play point for years with the trust of his coaches. Is that what would be coming for Gino? Can you picture that? Can you see him having... Witnessed him up close for almost two full decades saying, yeah, look at me, I'm the defensive guy now. Do you sense that anywhere in this man's personality? No, 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 not at all. Gino's, Gino's not just got to produce points. Gino has to score goals. I've said this for years and years and years. Everyone always thought, even going back to their draft year when it was him and Alexander Ovechkin one and two in the other order that Ovechkin was the goal scorer and Gino was the playmaker well Gino's a playmaker but i remember in covering that draft hearing from scouts that weekend that no this guy is he's a goal scorer and he wants to score goals he's pushed by it when did Gino get his MVP? When did he get his heart trophy with the Penguins? Yeah, the year he scored 50. So we can all talk about adjustments and potential adjustments. But other than something as basic as, hey, Gino, don't give the puck away as often, which I'm sure would be Sullivan's message to him, there's got to be something else. There's got to be something else. When we come back, J1Q... Today's J1Q comes from Brian. Oh, is this good? As DK while we can debate any number of player/team stats. Of high danger scoring chances, expected goals for percentage, all that other stuff. Evaluating the head coach becomes a little bit more difficult. I was sincerely wondering what variables you would use to support or critique a coach. Is it just plain old wins and losses, power play, penalty kill? How about playoff record? Maybe something less tangible like getting production out of his bottom six players. I don't know. Brian, this is a challenge to answer in a lot of different ways. I'm probably a little lucky In plucking this question in the same week that I tried to do that up in Winnipeg as it relates to the Penguins' exasperating lack of offense, which now extends beyond the frustrations on the power play. They just don't score goals. This is now 10 games in a row of three or fewer going into tonight. So what I looked at here is who's responsible for not scoring the goals. That's the thing that I had... In my mind, in covering that game up there, and I went to see what the math would be. And it's in that order, by the way. I see it, and then I try to put something to what it was that I saw. I know that a lot of the advanced stats community will do things in the opposite direction. They come up with a concept, they'll come up with numbers for it, and then their eyes will tell them whatever it is that they want to see. Do you follow me? But that's also what happens when you're talking about a sport that doesn't really have true advanced analytics yet because it doesn't have anywhere near the data that's available in the other three major sports in North America. So what I did was I based the analysis that I was going to do, the numbers that I was going to come up with on what I feel is the only parts of an offense that a coach can control – Everyone makes a big deal out of line combinations, and that's part of it, for sure. Doing enough mixing and matching, sometimes just in practice, sometimes in games, sometimes in the middle of games, to see what you've got, to see what kind of mix you have, and which two players, never mind three, will look like they have something when they're out there together. That's, That's part of it. So do you want to look at the fact that the Penguins are currently a one-line team and a one-line team only and say that the coach is not doing great with his forward lines? Yeah, I could buy into that. When I see Ricard Raquel on the left wing, and yeah, I know he's played it. I, I don't care. I don't think he looks comfortable over there. He certainly doesn't perform well over there. I think the coach might be doing something wrong. When I see Riley Smith on the top power play unit, and I don't see anything at all in Smith, then I think the coach might be doing something wrong. But when it goes bigger picture, when it goes to the simple act of scoring a goal, the very foundation of the sport, I come down to one thing for which a coach should be held most accountable in either direction. And That's scoring chances and the quality of those scoring chances and whether or not there are enough people on the premises to account for rebounds or additional difficulty for the goaltender. I don't think the Penguins are great at either of the last two, but when it comes to the scoring chances, people, people, They're fifth in the NHL in shots. They're fifth in the NHL in high-danger chances. High-danger chances aren't measured in some abstract way. When you see anyone refer to high-danger chances, and that's something that most diehard hockey fans will refer to a website called Natural Stat Trick to get, that's automated. That's not judgment. That's not somebody who's been watching the game all their lives and saying, well, yeah, if you give the puck to Ovechkin over there at the left dot, that's a high danger scoring chance. No, it just tracks where the puck is on the rink and how close it is to the net. That's it. That's it. If somebody shoots from somewhere that close, high danger scoring chance. If it's outside that range, not high danger scoring chance. And the Penguins are fifth. In that category. One, two, three, four, five. They're fifth in that category. And yet they're bottom five in goals, in shooting percentage, in high danger shooting percentage. Process that one for a moment. Even without having any hockey sequence from the entire season come to your mind, process this team. Having a 15.2 high-danger shooting percentage. And tell yourself that, I don't know, what's 100 divided by 15? That's a tough one off the top of your head. It's like six-something? Yeah, six-something. This group, these forwards, because that's who would get most of those, and all that talent and all that experience, converting on only one of six attempts, from right bleeping there. That's your season. That's really what this season's been about. They haven't been great at defending. They haven't been consistent at the beginning of games. They have gotten the goaltending. But what's still sitting at the top of this perch, this list of worries, is that they don't score goals. As you've heard in this episode, the head coach has responsibility for a good chunk of this. I've been pretty specific here about what those are. But the big thing is not scoring goals, even though you're getting tons of chances. That, that right there is not on the head coach. What a question that was. We should find a way to bring this up again in some other form sometime soon. Could have done way more than whatever there was in this segment. As it is, going to do another one of these shows tomorrow morning at which point I'll be flying off to Chicago for the game the Penguins definitely won't win because the Hawks have lost 7 in a row and they don't have Connor Bedard and you know how those go.